Welcome to another episode of the Intoxicated Podcast. My name is Matt Salis, and today I'm going to talk about the Shout Sobriety Program, Week 6. For those of you who are not familiar with the Shout Sobriety Program, maybe you're a regular Intoxicated Podcast listener, but you're this is the first exposure you've had to Shout Sobriety, or maybe you just came upon us by searching the internet for solutions as it relates to alcoholism. Let me explain. The Shout Sobriety Program is a six-week online course that we've put together, and it encompasses all of the things that I learned about how to get through early sobriety when it was time for me to get sober. Um, There's more information available for you on our Shout Sobriety website. You can learn about the program. You can enroll in the program. We'd love to have you join us. And you could also make a financial contribution The Shout Sobriety Program is completely free to all of our participants because we don't believe you should have to pay for your sobriety, but we do have to fund it somehow, so we're doing that through charitable donations. So if you are someone that feels strongly about recovery from addiction and you want to support our work, we certainly would appreciate a donation. And again, to do that or to find out more or to enroll, go to shoutsobriety.com. So this is the last week of the Shout Sobriety Program. Now, I want to emphasize that when we call it a six-week program, that's a six-week period during which you can learn about all these tactics and strategies that I used to get sober and to, to survive early recovery. I by no means want people to think that I think early sobriety is a six-week period and once you've finished with the work for this week, you're done, you're out of the woods. To the contrary, I've said over and over again, a lot of this stuff takes time, and in my humble opinion, certainly for me, I started to see real improvement after a year of sobriety. So this is a six-week learning period, but now comes the time to go out into the big bad world and take what you've learned and make it work for you, and keep on holding on tight for that first year because a lot of the benefits of the things that you're working on are going to come. They're going to come, like I said, at the one-year period or or later. So we've got a few topics to cover today, the first of which I want to talk about God. I want to talk about what God means to me, what role God plays in my recovery from alcoholism. And I, th- I think it's a little different than the traditional way that God is viewed in recovery. I don't think that God wants us to let go and let God. I, I, I just don't think that he wants us to ask him to do all the work. Now, I know that flies in the face of what what is talked about in AA, one of the most kind of foundational doctrines in Alcoholics Anonymous is let go and let God. But I, that's not the way I see it. And let me explain why. I had a relationship with God prior to getting sober. Um, I have been religious my whole life. Uh, My wife is the children's minister at our church here in Denver. So I attend church every Sunday. I pray a lot. And that was happening back when I was drinking and now again in sobriety. 
So I don't feel like there's anything that I can turn over to God and have him take care of it for me. I believe God, in his way, through our thoughts, um, through spirituality, through the relationship you have with God, I believe that he points us in the direction he wants us to go in, but then it's our job to execute the plan. And sometimes when I think about the the whole let go and let God thing, I think about cancer. I know I compare alcoholism to cancer a lot, but I think it's a, a legitimate comparison. And if I if I contracted cancer, I can't imagine sitting back and thinking I'm going to get deep into a spiritual practice and I'm going to let God take care of my cancer. I'm going to let go and let God take care of my cancer. And I feel the same way about alcoholism. I believe in spirituality. I'm a very spiritual person, but I don't believe spirituality is in and of itself the answer to alcoholism. So there's no way I'm just going to turn this disease over to God. And the reason I say there's no way I'm going to do that is because I don't believe that's what he wants. I think a lot of people, when they're deep in the throes of alcoholism, they do not have a spiritual practice. They do not have a relationship with God. So the idea of spirituality being what needs to be done to cure alcoholism, <clears throat> it, it resonates with a lot of people, and frankly, it works. I mean, there are a lot of people where Alcoholics Anonymous is a, a great success for them. I'm very thankful for that. I love the fact that AA has saved millions of lives. But when it was time for me to get sober, it, it left me in kind of a bad place because I already had that relationship. I already was deeply involved with the church, deeply spiritual, prayed several times a day. And despite all of that, I was still in the throes of alcoholism. So what that told me and what that tells me now is it it wasn't a spiritual thing for me. It was more. And that's why I dug so deep and and scratched and clawed to figure this stuff out and realize that it's, it's a brain chemistry issue and there's a nutrition component and there, there is patience involved and changing our habits takes time. And I had to learn all these kind of more concrete things than the spiritual stuff. I already had the spirituality and yet I was still highly addicted to alcohol. So just to summarize, I'm a spiritual person. I believe in spirituality. I don't believe that that's a requirement for getting sober, however. I believe it's, for me, it's a requirement for living a peaceful, happy life. If you feel differently... That's that's fine. You, your your belief system is up to you, and it shouldn't, in my opinion, relate to your success or failure in sobriety. You can be successful in sobriety just by focusing on the other things that we've talked about in the program, getting yourself healthy from a disease. So that's really what I want to talk about, about God. Um We've intentionally designed this course to not be religion-based. I know there some of the people that come to me, and I don't mean this as a criticism, I'm just reflecting the feedback that I've gotten. Some people that work with us in the Shout Sobriety program and that give me feedback on my writing say that they they spiritually are in a different place. They don't believe in God. They believe in something else. They don't believe in anything, whatever the case may be. And the fact that I leave that, you know, certainly I've written about God and my relationship with God, but that I leave that out of the curriculum and don't make that a necessary part 
of getting sober. I've had feedback that people appreciate that. And that's frankly why AA is tough for some people because even though Alcoholics Anonymous will use the term higher power in place of God, in a lot of the meetings, from what I've been told, a lot of the focus is on God. And I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a devout, practicing, daily practicing, faithful Christian saying that I understand why that's a turnoff for some people. And so that's why we're intentionally making the Shout Sobriety program a safe place for you, regardless of your spirituality, regardless of your beliefs. <clears throat> um, another of the topics that I want to talk about in week six is what was the thing that changed my life, became the best day of my life. That was the day that I came out about my alcoholism to the rest of the world. It was January 10th of 2018. To be honest with you, I can't remember my sobriety date. It was January of 17, but I don't remember specifically what day it is. I don't count days. I kind of round it off when I talk. I say that right now at this point, I'm two and a half years sober. sober. Counting days has never been important to me, but I'll tell you what is important to me, and that's January 10th of 20, what did I say, 2018, the day I came out to the world about my sobriety. And how I did it was I sent an email to every person that I had ever collected their email address over all the years in business, personal relationships, anyone who had given me their business card, anyone who I had recorded their email address in my calendar, or not my calendar, pardon me, in my contacts for use, again, personally or professionally, they received an email from me that day. And in addition to that, I sent an announcement to all of the people on my social media. And that is kind of at the crux of shout sobriety or recovering out loud. It totally changed my life in ways I never imagined when I hit the send button. The reason I did it was because I was sick of hiding the fact that I had stopped drinking I was sick of when I was in social situations where alcohol was around. I was sick of saying, oh, I'm just not drinking tonight, or oh, uh, I don't really want to talk about it, but I'm not going to have any beer today. I wanted to be out there with people and stop hiding. I mean, I call it my coming out day. It's very much like anything else. I was in the closet about sobriety. There was so much shame associated with my alcoholism that and also so much shame associated with sobriety being the only one not drinking in a world full of booze booze everywhere and I'm the only one not drinking that is a shameful feeling until I came out and was honest about it my experience from that day I'll never forget I expected to get a lot of support from friends and family that I love I expected to get a few negative comments I guess I hadn't really thought through how someone would be negative about that but I expected to hear oh you know you're not really an alcoholic or, oh, you know, you can still drink. Just take it easy. Just learn how to control yourself. I expected to get some of that kind of stuff. And what I received was so far from what I expected, it's kind of mind-boggling to me even to this day. First of all, I received no negative feedback whatsoever. Every comment I got either through return email or phone calls or face-to-face 
or the text messages I received, everything was positive. Supportive, we love you, Matt. Um, I had no idea, but how can I help? That kind of stuff. <clears throat> and but and so that was what I expected in the way of support, but I was overwhelmed by the volume of that. So many people got back to me and were very positive and supportive. But here's the piece that I didn't expect. I heard from so many people that said, oh, Matt, this is a relief to hear someone talking about this because I've got an uncle or I've got a father or my spouse is an alcoholic and it's such a shame-filled, hidden disease. Nobody ever talks about it. I can't believe you're opening up like this. I can't believe you're being honest. This brings so much relief to my heart because you, Matt, are talking about this. I mean, I was shocked. So many people contacted me and not only lended their support, but thanked me for being willing to talk about it because it was helping them in the battle that they were dealing with. And I even had a few people, not the day I sent the email, but within the first few weeks, I had a few people that said, listen, I need to talk to you. Uh, I read your email about coming out as an alcoholic and everything you said in there resonated with me. I think I'm in trouble with drinking and I want to know what your advice would be. So here I was sending this thing that I felt the only purpose of it was to get my shameful truth out there so it could just be dealt with and the people that would be supportive would be supportive and the people that wanted to take a crack at me could take a crack and the people that didn't want to be my friend anymore would have you know the ability to do that to leave me and instead of any of that I got this overwhelming kind of thank you and we're proud of you and then eventually hey can you help me kind of sentiment life-changing life-changing I have four kids and a wife my wedding day was awesome The births of all four of my children were just magical events for me, but nothing was quite like the day that I came out as an alcoholic. And that kind of peace, that kind of love, that deepened relationships, the the feeling that you're doing something important, that just by being honest, you're helping other people, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for everyone who participates in the Shot Sobriety Program. So as I said at the top of this episode, yeah, this is week six. This is the end of the curriculum, but it's not the end of the road for you because sending this coming out letter, I think I think it takes time. It takes time to craft the letter. It takes time to grow those sobriety muscles to the point where you're willing and able to send it, have the confidence to send it. And I want you to work toward that, but I want you to never forget as you're working toward that, when that day comes, I mean, it is magnificent. The, the outpouring of not, I don't even want to say support. The support was great. But the outpouring of, I don't know, it, I don't know if admiration's the word. I, I, I definitely, it was not an arrogant experience for me. I don't want to sound arrogant in any way. But the fact that people said, hey, everyone out there's got their thing. For some people, it's alcoholism. For some people, it's an eating disorder. For some people, it's depression. For some people, it's a dysfunctional family. Everyone's got their thing they're battling. And Matt, for you to talk about the thing you're battling gives me strength to battle the thing I'm battling. That sentiment that I received from people, I mean, again, it was life-changing. It was 
unbelievable. And that's what I want. That's what I want for all of you. And I want to, again, encourage you to have the patience to get there because, I mean, maybe you're ready to send that letter now, but my guess is it's going to take a little more time. Again, that one-year mark is pretty magical. It was one year after I became sober when I sent my coming out letter. I don't think that's a bad target for you to set. If you want to speed it up a little, I think that's fine. If you want to make your announcement at six months or, you know, whenever you're comfortable. But don't rush yourself. Have patience with yourself. I think that's really, really important that you have patience with yourself. But don't quit. Don't give up. So many people, um, they fail at sobriety. They drink again. And you hear it talked about all the time. You hear it talked about in Alcoholics Anonymous circles. You hear it talked about everywhere in the recovery community. If you're not doing the work, you're probably going to fail. You're going to drink again. And so for me, the work is, you know, all the things that we've talked about in the six weeks, changing your diet, changing to a nutrition plan that supports your recovery instead of one that fights against it. Reading, bibliotherapy, huge, huge, huge for me. Continue to fight cravings for through bibliotherapy. Continue to learn about your disease through bibliotherapy. Understanding the brain chemistry piece and being patient with that. Looking at your social calendar, canceling everything that you can and hunkering down and letting your peace and serenity and your sobriety muscles grow. All of that. And then the other piece of work that that I encourage you to engage in going forward is to work on writing this letter. My letter is available through the Shout Sobriety Program. It's also on my Sober and Unashamed website. Uh, My friends in the Shout Sobriety Program, you are welcome to take as much of that letter as you want to. Uh, When we talk about crafting the letter... Um, let's do it like a writer. I, I don't expect anyone who finishes this program to become a professional writer. I mean, we've all got our our areas of interest, and, and I don't expect writing to be necessarily your area of interest. But I do expect you or, or recommend that you take time crafting the letter and do it in a way that will get it read. And what I mean by that is at the beginning, let's build a little bit of suspense. I talked in my letter about how normal I was, how you see me mowing the lawn and you see me going to church on Sunday and you see me taking my kids to soccer practice and you see me being an active member of the community, but I've got a secret. I've got a secret nobody knows. So I, that was my first paragraph, trying to build suspense before I finally announced that I was an alcoholic. And then by then, hopefully your reader, you'll have, you'll have a hold of them. You'll have them by the collar and they'll find interest in the rest of what you write. And they can learn about the, the challenges you've faced the things in your personal life that have brought brought you to the conclusion that you're not just a big drinker, you're an alcoholic. And the things that you're doing to remedy the situation, to to enter recovery and, and get yourself healthy. So spend some time on the letter. It's it's if it's gonna lead to the best day of your life like it led to the best day of my life, you should put some care in it. I'm happy to help with it. You can send it to me and I can help you proofread it or make suggestions. I'm more than happy to do that. And like I said, you can take my letter as a blueprint and uh, use as much of it as, as you like in your own letter. And I really I really want to 
leave you with a, a story, a personal story. When I sent my coming out letter, uh, it was the same letter going to all the 3,000 contacts with the exception of just a couple of people. My So I coach high school soccer, and the letter that I sent to the people at work at, at where I coach was a little different than the one I sent to the general public. It was very much more business-like. It wasn't, I didn't have a, a grabber of a beginning paragraph and I wasn't trying to rope people in and and get them to read the rest of the letter. It was very fact-based, said something like, um, I have the disease of alcoholism. I've been in recovery for over a year now. And in case you, oh, and I'm, I'm writing about this publicly. And in case you hear about it somewhere else, I wanted you to hear it from me first. Something like that. Something very business-like. One paragraph, I believe. And I sent that to all the people that I work with at the high school. I was deathly afraid that I was going to be fired. And I I would, you know, honestly, looking back, it was an illogical fear. I wasn't reporting to my work a problem that I had that needed a solution. I was reporting to my work a problem that I had that I had already solved, that I was already in treatment. It's a medical condition that I'm fixing. They would have had no grounds to fire me. But there's such a stigma associated with alcoholism, so much shame and blame surrounding it. It's such a thing of hushed little whispers and we never talk about it out loud that I was sure that I would be fired for uh, being an alcoholic in recovery. So not only did that not happen, I got some support from some of my coworkers at work, but for the most part, it was kind of a non-issue. It just went away. Nobody brought it up to me. I was really surprised by that. And about a year and a half later, after I sent that letter, I was, it, it was after a soccer game and I was standing on the sideline and talking to one of the administrators from the school who had received my announcement. And we got to talking about work and, and that I'm writing. And he, he asked me what I was writing about. And I said, I write about addiction and recovery. And he said, oh, addiction and recovery. What do you know about addiction re- addiction and recovery? And I, I just couldn't believe it. I almost didn't know what to say. This is someone that I had made this admission to that I was so afraid that for whatever reason I thought this person was going to fire me for being having this medical condition that was under control. And here this person was admitting to me a year and a half later that they had totally forgotten about the email, had no idea that addiction was even a problem for me, and uh, was actually curious how it was that I was able to write about addiction and recovery and what in my history gave me that ability. So, it's, you know, I, it, that was kind of a really epiphany kind of moment to realize here's somebody that's really busy in, in his job and he probably got that email from me and read through it and said, oh, there's nothing for me to do here. It's not like Matt sent me a letter and said, I've got this problem and I need you to help me with it. Matt sent me a letter and said he's got this problem that's under control. Great. Delete. Never thought about it again. Never thought about it again. So much so that a year and a half later had no re- recollection of it. So the thing I was afraid was going to get me fired the person who could have done the firing didn't even remember that it was an issue. So, you know, I, I don't want to claim to be braver than I really am. This is a job, a high school soccer coach in Colorado doesn't get paid much. So it really did not have much of a financial impact on my family either way if I kept my job or if I got fired. It's my favorite thing in the world to do, so I would have been pretty devastated had I lost my job from a personal standpoint. But it it didn't have a financial impact. And I know that for most people, 
when they when they make their coming out announcement, they're going to be informing a boss where there is a major financial impact. And I I understand that that's going to be the scariest part or one of the scariest parts about coming out and being honest. But I got to tell you, my boss didn't even remember the discussion. So I feel like especially in this day and age, I mean, you in most places you legally can't be fired for being an alcoholic. In fact, your your employer has to provide some kind of treatment, I believe, in most states. So the idea that you're going to be fired for alcoholism that's under control and in recovery I think is is an unfounded fear but I know it's a fear that a lot of us have and I get it I really do get it I just I hope that by hearing me tell that story it provides some kind of consolation and you'll you'll get over that hump and that's that's really what this coming out letter is all about getting over the hump because that's what permanent sobriety is all about getting over that hump. There's all kinds of fear. There's all kinds of shame. There's all kinds of stigma that's involved. But when you do the things that we've talked about with nutrition and understanding brain chemistry and being patient with yourself and waiting for that whole first year and holding on tight so that you can get some relief in some of these areas, that's what it means to make it over that hump. And coming out and being public about your recovery is a huge part of getting over that hump. And let let me tell you what being open and honest and out with my sobriety means to me. <clears throat> a lot of people say to me, hey, you write about your addiction and your recovery. Wow, that must help a lot of people. That must make you feel good to help a lot of people. And I have no, I, no doubt that it does help a lot of people. But I'm here to tell you that's not the biggest benefit for me. I like to help other people, and it, it is a good feeling, but it's not the most important piece. My being out, my being honest and open and sharing my experience, that helps me so much it's hard for me to even put it in words. When people want to tell me their stories about their alcoholism or, or whatever it is that, that is their thing that they have to deal with, I usually resonate with what they're telling me, and it makes me feel like I'm not alone. It puts me on solid ground in the decision that I've made to leave alcohol behind. It strengthens my resolve. It strengthens my psyche and just makes me proud of my decision. We all have good days and bad days. And, you know, even even at the stage I'm in two and a half years into sobriety, I'll have days where it's a real rough day and I'll think, gosh, you know, I am one trip to the liquor store. I'm about 15 minutes away from having all this be soothed and nothing I'm worried about for right now. In other words, I could drink and push all this stuff down if I wanted to. And just knowing that I'm part of a bigger thing now, it's not just me. It's not just my decision to drink or not to drink. It's not just how it'll affect my immediate family there are other people, and I don't even want to say that they're counting on me. They are my world now. There are other people that read my stuff and respond back to me and send me emails and give me phone calls and tell me what's going on in their life. And <clears throat> the fact that I'm important to them is only overshadowed by how important they are to me. And that's what makes makes it so I can call my sobriety 
permanent sobriety. I don't take it one day at a time. I don't wake up every morning and thank God for the fact that I didn't drink yesterday and pray to God that I won't drink today. I don't drink anymore. It's, it's, it's who I am. It's part of my persona. Just like being an IPA drinker, a whiskey drinker was part of my persona before, now my persona is sobriety and being a part of this network of other sober people that sustain me. I know that what I write and say and do, I know that it helps other people, but what I don't think they realize is how much they help me, not just to solidify my sobriety, but to help me identify with with the person I want to be. And that's what I want for you. I want you to recover out loud because I know you'll be helping other people. And I want you to recover out loud because I know it'll help cement your own commitment to sobriety. And... You know, I say it all the time. We're all in this together. And I talk about connection all the time. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. And if you can find that connection, I mean, I know I feel connected to you through the Shout Sobriety program. I enjoy all the communication that we have together. And I want you to keep that going. Not only with me, but with with the big bad world out there. They need you. They need your help. They need your support. And the feedback you're going to get back will cement this thing and and make it permanent for you and i want that for you and i encourage you to do that i also encourage you to stay in touch the six weeks might be coming to an end but that doesn't mean you're not a part of the private facebook group that we have we want you to continue in that forever you've got my phone number you've got my email i want to stay in contact and I, i that's not just lip service i'm not just saying it uh, you're a big, your story is a big part of how I stay firmly committed to sobriety and how I find peace and satisfaction in life. And so I, I don't just preach that connection is important. I live it, and I'm glad that we are connected together, and I want that to continue. So that's it for week six of the Shout Sobriety program. I hope you enjoy all the materials for this week. And I hope you continue to be a subscriber to Sober and Unashamed, continue to read our blog posts, and continue to listen to the Intoxicated Podcast. So that's it for the Intoxicated Podcast for this episode. Again, my name is Matt Salis, and I want to thank you for listening.